fans and welcome to the big blue box podcast my name is gary my name is mark sorry for the weird microphone button issues <laughs> my name's maria i'm jordan my name's harry and my name's matt and welcome to the october roundtable Oh, we just had a moment, listener. It was amazing. As you guys know, those of you that listen to these roundtables on a regular basis will know that uh, we have a 99% fail rate where it concerns technology and remote recording and all the joys that come with that stuff. Today, however, we're all sitting very nervously, not touching any buttons, nothing. Everything's working. It's quite amazing. We'll see how far this goes throughout the episode. But for now, everything's cool. So welcome to another roundtable. I hope you are keeping well, dear listener. I hope you've had a cracking week. These guys might join in. And that you've all managed to do something Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Yes. It's going from strength. <laughs> this is amazing. What do I... I need to write this down or make a note of something. The Tuesday the 24th. This is where it all went right. This is like a Doctor Who episode. You know, like when they do those flashback scenes. You know, when people were happy before the apocalypse. Right. So, we hope you're keeping well. Hope you're keeping safe. In this episode of The Roundtable, we're off everyone together. We've got Mark, Maria, Jordan, Harry and Matt. And we're going to chat through a little bit of news uh, snippets that have dropped over the last day or two, the last week. And then, as it's the kind of pseudo-Halloween episode, I guess, we're going to talk about our creepiest moments from Doctor Who. Now, this is a common one. We've done this before. There's, we've, I think we've done a couple of um, blog blog articles where you can go and check out um, our recommended episodes for to watch at Halloween. I think we did that like four or five years ago or something. So since then, we've uh, we've got obviously newer Doctor Who in that time. Maybe some big finish. Whatever you guys want to talk about, but we will go through that. But before we get on to all of that, um, let's see how you all are, Mark. How you doing, buddy? I'm very well. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Not not been up to. I have read John Levine's autobiography. There you go. There's a Doctor Who thing I've done. Uh, was that a slog or is, an easy one? It's fascinating. It's utterly fascinating. I really recommend it because I read a lot of celebrity autobiographies, and a, a lot of them are good, but a lot of them kind of descend into kind of just a kind of list of achievements the john levine books the one of the most fascinating things i've ever read because it's most interesting when he's no longer in doctor who and it's about kind of all the stuff he does afterwards and it's yeah it's it's i really recommend it if you enjoy um the work of steve coogan as alan partridge i would i would say (laughs) okay it's in that kind of okay it's very accidental partridge um, oh cool but quite entertaining sounds good okay and uh yeah you've been busy as usual writing plenty of stuff well what's the last article that you did it was for um was it what no what what, 
Not oh, I've coaching. done. Oh, God knows, mate. Um, the, yeah. <laughs> the most recent thing I did, I did a theory for the 60th that I've kind of pieced that together from Russell's yeah. teasers of Noel Gordon and, and things like that. Um, yes. Which I won't, because obviously, in, in case I'm right, it's a massive spoiler, so I'll say no more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, glad you're doing well, dude. Uh, Maria, how are you? I'm fine, Gary. Um, I have done a couple of things that are Doctor Who related. Um, was out gadding about, really, um, to be honest. Um, went to um, a Riverside Studios um, event. Um, they were showing some uh, classic episodes. It was called Sea and Space. So they showed um, the Underwater Menace episode 2 and the Wheel in Space. Um, One second, Maria. Six with... Oh, hello. One sec. I think your mic is rubbing on your. Oh. On something. Oh, maybe it's because I'm moving. Maybe it's because I'm moving my head. I'll try not to move my head. <laughs> you jinxed it, Gary. You shouldn't have written the date then. I know. Yeah. Okay. I told holding, you not to I'm, move. I'm holding this now, so hopefully it's not doing anything. Um. So, yeah, so I was at Riverside Studios recently. Um, so we went, um, Jordan was there as well. Um, we went to um, to see those classic episodes and they had some guests there which were um, quite interesting. So they had, um, Wendy Padbury was there, um, you know, she, she'll always come out for an event. Um, but they had some people um, behind the scenes and actor um, Michael Troughton was there as well. So Patrick's son, um, I've never met him before. So it was really interesting um, having a chat with him. Um, uh, and there were some other people there that were, as I say, behind the scenes. Um, there, there was um, um, a makeup artist called um, Sylvia James and... Um, I'm just trying to think who else was there. Um, there was some. Uh, there was another actor as well. Someone who's, someone who's been in um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark films. Uh, Kor- Korvac Malaikan. Um, okay. So that that was a really um, nice event to go to. Um, Tristan um, Devere was um, interesting to have a chat to. Um, I, he's. Um, the director of um, the wheel in space, and um, he, um, he he was at one of the tables, and um, we were having a chat about some of the books that he's brought out because he's actually um, brought out some really interesting stuff. He's brought out some books of, um, for actors, but there's a book that he's there's a book he's he's um, brought out um, about his. He's the illegitimate son of a famous artist. And we were having a chat about that. And, um, yeah, he was a bit suggestive towards me, I have to be honest. So that was a bit of a surprise. Um, Yeah, he was was very, very strange. He was very (laughs) cheeky for a man of his years. That's all I'm going to say. But his um, first book that he's written, um, as I say, it's about his... um, 
his story as a, the illegitimate son of an artist and it's got quite a provocative title. I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but um, it was he was actually a very interesting character to talk to. Um, so that was the first event I went to and then um, I was at the BFI on Saturday where we saw the animation of the um, Underwater Menace. Um, oh, nice. Cool. Which was actually it's a re- it's a really good animation actually. Um, I think I think the animations are actually getting better and better. Uh, the way they look actually, you know, they don't they don't look as clunky as um, some of the older ones. Um, and everyone was having a really good time. I mean, I thought it was just going to be a preview of the um, of the animation, but they also had some guests there as well. So Mark Ayres was there um, talking about. Um, the soundtrack and obviously the work that he'd done around that and um, and then they had the animation team there as well so um, Anne-Marie Walsh um, was there with a couple of her colleagues and they were talking about obviously the, the production of the animations and they did confirm actually that there is another animation in the pipeline but they didn't say what it was so we can guess what that might be um, mm. but Okay. You know they were they were reluctant to kind of say anything more than that because um, I, I get a sense that they they work on one one animation at a time so they don't always know you know that they will get get commissioned again um, you know for you know for lo- lots of different animations. Um, Ian Levine was there and he he asked a question in the um, the Q and A. Um, basically asking them to confirm, you know, whether they were going to be doing more. Um, he begged them to kind of do all of them if they could, but I think it obviously depends on how much money they get from BBC Studios and whether, they, you know, they'll continue funding them um, to do all of them. I see. But I think, okay. I think on the wish list they would like to do all of them at some point, all the missing episodes anyway. Gotcha. Okay, so you've just been out and about really, as usual. Event yeah, hopping. I haven't really watched yeah, any Doctor yeah. Who, to be fair, except when I was out gadding about. So, um, yeah, that was my month, really. Cool. Nice one. Uh, Jordan, what have you been up to, buddy? Uh, well, I've, me and Maria have done a couple of events. So, you know, the Riverside one, um, which was really good. I've really liked meeting uh, Michael Troughton. He was lovely. Um I said, you know, I was chatting to him and I said, you know, would would your dad be surprised the dog who is still going 60 years later? And he was like, I think he'd be more surprised that it's been bought by Disney than, <laughs> you know, the Disney have got something involved in it now mm-hmm. um, than the fact that it was going on for 60 years, especially when, I mean, we were chatting in the queue and a lot of people said the the scene at the beginning of the underwater menace with Polly and the needle um oh yeah yeah he said i I think that he went the fact that disney are like oh yeah no that's fine (laughs) he went (laughs) i think that's what dad would be more surprised about is the fact that they were buying that Uh, and then obviously we did the underwater menace at the bfi that was now it's not a great story i'm not gonna you know say all the underwater menace is fantastic i didn't realize it is actually as funny as it is there are some, gen- and not funny as in, oh, look at the fish people. You know, it's, there were some genuinely hysterical lines that I didn't, I didn't <laughs> know about. So I actually quite enjoyed it. I, I don't think I'm going to be thinking it at the very bottom of a list anymore. Um, 
And then after we did that, Maria and I went and got soaked because we walked around the back of Waterloo and we went to see where sort of um, a lot of Remembrance of the Daleks was being filmed. Oh, so yeah. uh, around we did Shadow a lot Island. of... Where, like Shadow? the yard and everything that they go oh, into yeah, and the bridge yeah. where the special weapons Dalek blows everybody up. And uh, we got mm-hmm. absolutely soaked. But I think we had a good time. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, to be honest, but we did get wet. But yeah, what George was saying about the classic lines in that story, I mean, you know, there are some real kind of really funny lines. I mean, everyone kind of cheered at one point when um, uh, uh, Professor Zaroff kind of said, nothing in the world can stop me now. Everyone kind of cheered because they all knew that line was coming. So everyone, I think everyone had a good time. I mean, it was a really, yeah, it was a really nicely done animation. I, I, I mean, yeah, it's not the greatest story, but, um, you know, it's, it's fine that they've animated it. Yeah, cool. sounds like you had a good, a good, uh, couple of days, dudes. There was, um, talking of funny lines at the BFI. I remember when Adam and I went to see the talons of, of Wang Chiang at the BFI. And I've never, <laughs> I've never seen a, a bunch of Who fans hesitantly laugh at anything at all because at the normally at the BFI you're absolutely right, guys. You do have these lines where you wouldn't necessarily laugh if you're at home watching it, but when there's everyone there, it kind of has a different different vibe. But you could just see everybody glancing to one side, like that's not racist, is it? That that bit wasn't racist, was it? No, cool, yellow. We're going to laugh at that bit. Awesome. And then there's another funny bit, and everyone's like, "Was that?" I, I, Think it was right, Stum. Keep you, especially keep it Stum. So yeah, I, I I totally see what you mean with um <laughs> with uh with laughing at the BFI. So all right, nice one, guys. Uh, Harry, what have you been up to other than uh, a professional hacker these days? Um, I just wanted to mention how uh, when you were talking about underwater menace, I imagined Professor Professor Zaroff as a cartoon saying nothing in the world can stop me now, and I'm like gotta see this so i might it's might even just more camp that now. than how it originally was <laughs> is it actually <laughs> yeah oh wow yeah i might because i actually watched um i actually watched it recently the um surviving episodes and the and the telesnaps and i thought this isn't that bad i mean it's a bit schlocky but like you know it's you know it's fun um but yeah other than that um oh i also watched the moon base as well but that's it no doctor who Nothing to report here. Very <laughs> uneventful, I'm afraid, on the Doctor yeah. Who front. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no I'm save. I'm I'm kind of saving all the Doctor Who stuff for next month. Uh, you know, with it coming to iPlayer and the specials and all that. Like, it's going to be a it's going to be a big Doctor Who month next month. Oh, I also um, subscribe to Doctor Who magazine. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, I, I'm a subscriber of the magazine now. Um, gets delivered to okay. my door. I get those nice textless covers, which is which is cool. <laughs> I was going to say, did you do the um, the physical or the digital one? Okay, so you get the actual mag turn mm, up. Oh, nice. physical, absolutely. No, what, I, I, the idea of a digital mag is preposterous to me. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Oh, nice one, dude. Matthew. Down in a tractor country. How you been, dude? <laughs> yeah, I've been very well, thank you. No, um, <laughs> no I've been very well, thank you, Gary. Um... Doctor Who wise, well, uh, listeners of the uh, previous roundtable would um, might remember my frustrations with the uh, the B and M hunting um, 
for a certain TARDIS set and mm. uh, a man that may or may not look like David Hasselhoff, uh, so I'm untold. Um, because of the lovely, lovely Maria, um, I can now say that I am a proud owner of said TARDIS. And um, yes, it's, it's, it's a wonderful piece to behold. And um, yes, thank you very much, Maria. Um, apart from that, the... The other Doctor Who thing I've done, I think we are re-watching Rose. Uh, sorry, we're watching Doctor Who from Rose, um, and we're just going to try and complete it um, before the, the specials. However far-fetched that may sound, because there's rather a few. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the plan. We're currently... Last night we watched The Girl in the Fireplace. Um, so... Slow going, but we're we're getting there. Uh, you're getting there, nice. Yeah, I, I I don't think I've done anything other. I've caught up on the um, Once and Future series on Big Finish. Um, I was I was very far behind. I'd only listened to one, but uh, I've now caught up, and um, I've seen something to say that uh, the is it the final or the penultimate might be released tomorrow, um, and. Very looking forward to that. The standouts would be the Christopher Eccleston story and the Fifth Doctor with Jenny. Absolutely fantastic stories. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. That's Coolio. about it, really. That's about it. Okay, so, I mean, this is fairly typical, isn't it, of um, of Doctor Who when you start ramping up to new stuff. You normally have um, uh, a bit of a... Uh, calm before the storm i guess before it all kicks off um typically speaking unless you're in the chibbers the chibbers era in which case it's just the calm um and then yeah not even a storm it was just a little drizzle you know come on now <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> don't be don't be mean about chris we've seen a lovely video of him russell and and uh, Steve. It was having lovely. a And yeah. the podcast as well that he did recently. He did like a three, four hour interview on some other podcast. Um, oh, came, the corner to corner. Yeah. Yeah. He came across really well in that. Yeah. He, mm. Yeah. He's great. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Harry immediately jumped into destroying the guy. He's all right. He's okay. Force of habit, Gary. Can't What's he working it. on now? Do we, do we know what he's, is he working on anything new? Mark, you'll probably know. Something secret. Something I th- I, secret. I feel like he does say on that podcast that he's working on something, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, can't I think remember. was he not kind of saying like I've done Doctor Who, I'm going to be a dad for like a year or something. Oh right. But then yeah. I guess if you're a if you're a screenwriter, you probably say that, and then an idea pops into you and you go, oh, actually, maybe that's a thing. But yeah, yeah I think he is working on something, but I, I don't hold me to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. He's a uh, he's top guy. Uh, very much appreciate all the work that he did on, on, on Doctor Who. So, yes. Right, should we do some news? What's been going on? So, um, uh, I don't know if you guys want to talk about the trailer. I don't know if we've had a chance to talk about that. Um, I'll get your thoughts on that very, very briefly. But um, there was a news story that dropped today, yesterday, today. Just want to get your guys' opinion on this. is mad. So... The BBC announced that Shooty has begun has begun shooting the second se- his second series as the Doctor, which is um, 
which is pretty crazy in itself, right? Because, and as always, as with a lot of stories, the comments are typically, you know, more entertaining than the actual story. So the story is a bit of a nothing, really. It's just, uh, you know, filming starts today, shoots his second series, which is astonishing in terms of so much has happened um, in terms of production for new Doctor Who, and we've not seen anything yet. That's the that's the cool part of it. But a lot of the people in the comments were going, hey, well, well, we haven't even seen the first one yet. So, you know, why are you announcing this? I mean, this is like the opposite and i was just said any you know about chris chibnall but this is like the opposite to chris chibnall you know if he was still running the show we wouldn't know any of this it would be all you know under wraps everything so what do you guys think to this and then very quickly your thoughts on the latest trailer mark what do you uh what do you make of this i i think it's great i mean it's worth pointing out of course that there was about a year between the finished filming power of the doctor and it actually going on screen so whilst, yes, it's absolutely remarkable that we're already on Shooty Gatwa's like, second series, it's not been quite the kind of rapid turnaround that I think some people on the internet think that it has been. <laughs> um, but I think it's great. I think what's interesting about it is that if we're going into the anniversary, a couple of episodes into season 15 being filmed, that does give me the sense that they're, they've got quite a long plan for Shuti Gatwa, which is you film two series back to back, you give him a little break, like where he can go off and do other things. Maybe go on. He, there was an interview he did where he wanted to go back on stage and, and do some theatre work. You get that possibility because you've got two years of television already wrapped up and ready to go. In and the then bank. you can kind of bring yeah. him back once he's kind of spread his wings a little bit, do a little bit more. It feels like a much more sustainable way of making Doctor Who. Obviously, it must be quite tough in that initial sense, but it, it seems like like quite a good w- way to do it. And I wonder if it is because of the Disney Plus and the added money that there's a sense of having to have a lot of stuff in the bank to ensure a kind of steady stream of, and I hate this word, content for you know, for Disney Plus, essentially. Because mm-hmm. the BBC don't care, because the BBC are, you know, uh, just a, a state broadcaster. But obviously the the whole reason behind Russell coming back is that they're wanting it to be this kind of global streaming thing. Um, and I think you get a sense of that in the trailer for the specials. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously we've been saying Doctor Who's never looked this cinematic since the 11th hour. But Doctor Who's never looked this <laughs> cinematic. Um, you know, like that big Avengers Tower and giant mm. ventriloquist dummy neil patrick harris and stuff like that it looks it looks like a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it oh nice yeah you make a very good point and not consider that before where um we've heard previous actors who have played the doctor absolutely um just feel like they've it's taken 10 years off of their life after playing it because um i've no idea who who makes the schedule whether it's the showrunner or the production team or a combination of both but they just felt like it was a year-round slog and they couldn't do anything else and they were just so tired. And So yeah, maybe if they just power through, get all this stuff done and then yeah, he's off to, to do whatever he wants to do for a bit before coming back. Just very quickly, how many seasons do you think we'll have from Shooty? Just a number. Four. 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 I reckon I'll do two double-banked, two-season right. blocks and then maybe he's gone. That's my Interesting. thinking. Okay. Alrighty. Okay, Harry. What do you make to this story, and uh, how many series do you think he'll stick around for? 
Well, um, <clears throat> I kind of think he'll do. I, I think he'll do three. That's my instinct. Why do you think three? Well, purely because um, the last few Doctors, um, like the, the modern Doctors, bar Eccleston, have all done three. So it just seems kind of predictable at this point. But having said that, you know, they are doing shorter seasons and they seem to be, uh, you know, banking them up. So uh, maybe that means that Shooter will end up doing four seasons, which would be, I guess, the equivalent of like doing three like longer seasons, kind of like, uh, you know, Capaldi and the others. Um, so, yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I do reckon that he'll probably leave with Russell T. Davis as well. I have a feeling that's going to happen, but this is all just pure speculation. Of course, there's no, you know, there's no reason to believe that anything will happen one way or the other, but, um, yeah. What was well, I've already question? seen people speculating who the next showrunner is today because already? they've announced the, the, the two writers for, um, I think it's for series 15 rather than 14. It is, um, yeah, the two. One of them worked Kate, on Loki, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and people that, oh, so they're, they're sort of priming her as the next Doctor Who showrunner. It's like, whoa, all right, great, sure, but maybe let's just calm down a minute. Let's just be in the moment, man. I mean, and yeah. this is another thing as well, actually. <laughs> like, when I um like saw the post yesterday about Shooty's second season, I was like, what, already? Like, I've, we've not had a chance to meet this Doctor yet and to, like, you know, fall in love with him and all the rest of it. I think... Yeah, I don't know. It, it it caught me off guard, sure. And yes, I'll admit, I did also have that sort of YouTube comment section reaction of, oh, what? But we, we've not even got the first season yet. What is this? It's preposterous, you know. But um, yeah, I um, I mean, it's great, you know. The more Doctor Who, the better. As far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned. And also, as yeah, well, true. you know, it makes yeah. sense, uh, like to sort of structure the production of Doctor Who in this way because um, it makes it more attractive I think from an actor's point of view like Mark says you know bank up two seasons you know you have you have that uh, uh, portrayal of the Doctor in the public consciousness you know like not 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 scattered like over like long periods of times I'm, I'm trying not to bash Chris Chibnall uh, but um, you know you you have that and your Doctor Who and then the main actor can, you know, go off and do other things. I mean, I think Shooty Gatwa was on about, like, uh, going off and doing theatre after he's done his second season of Doctor Who. And, um, you know, because he, he sort of started in the theatre and that's his bread and butter. So, um, you know, I, I mean, it's great, like, um, from an industry point of view. Um, I, I, yeah, um, th- that that's pretty good. <laughs> yes, yeah. And it's a strange one, isn't it, with the whole... Doctor. I think David Tennant said it in an interview early on when he was doing season, you know, he was doing his like a series of interviews on his exit out when he was making the specials when they were still doing confidential. I think he said Doctor Who is the strangest thing because as soon as you're announced as the Doctor or the showrunner, people immediately want to know who the ne- when are you leaving? Like when are you going to bugger off so we can get a new person? So it's a bizarre old game, isn't it? Um, Doctor Who. But okay, so you reckon three and then potentially an exit with Russell. Okay. Um, Maria, holding your microphone steadily out <laughs> in front of you. Um, yeah. Do you think it's cool that we've got a couple of series? Well, we've got one series banked. We're going to have another one done soon with Shooty. And do you think you'll stick around or is this a two or three season and out? Yeah, I do. I do think it's cool that um, he's doing um, his second series already. Um, I mean, he seems like quite an energetic um, 
actor. So, you know, and he's, he's young enough to kind of cope with the, with the pace of it, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's really cool that he's doing that. Um, and, you know, he'll, he'll probably stay. I, I reckon, as Mark says, he'll probably stay for four series. I've got a feeling that um, Russell will stay for four series. Um, you know, I think he's kind of made a commitment by coming back to Doctor Who. And I, I think he's going to give it, um, you know, both he and um, Shooty all, all kind of stick it out together for four series. And then, you know, and then obviously we'll see what happens after that. But um, no, I think it's really exciting. I, um, you know, it's it's really positive news. I mean, they are doing shorter seasons. So, um, you know, as Harry said, it probably evens out to three of the, the normal series, um, you know, that they used to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I I think it's well. It, it, it took me by surprise yesterday. Um, I must say, but I think it's great. I think it's very clever planning um, to maybe have time spare for spin-off filming. Um, I've heard, I've 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 seen and I've heard lots of rumours about spin-offs, and in, if half of them are true, we're in for a hell of a hell of a treat. Um, uh, do I think all of them are true? No, and you know, uh, chances are none of them will be. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I think maybe um, that might be the reason behind it. Also, I think um, it's, it's it's a great idea to, like you say, keep the actor from getting worn out um, from playing the role and and kind of wanting to leave instead of loving that role and wanting to stay and because yeah, I have so much fun doing this and oh you know um I can't wait to come back and film some more Doctor Who because I've had this break um and I feel re- rejuvenated and re-energized to do it um mm, yeah true yep yeah uh, I I would probably say I think um oh it's also worth noting that the episodes may be short uh, the episode number may be shorter but um the episodes are an hour instead of 45 minutes. Isn't that... All of them. I think... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I think I saw it in Doctor Who magazine. Um, Harry? Could be wrong. I could be sounding like an absolute <laughs> fool. Um, but I believe that's right. So if so, um, then it, it still kind of works out the same. It's just shorter, but longer yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Um, I could- Harry, you've got uh, Doctor Who magazine... Can you, can you confirm this or not? Um, I mean, I think we know that the three specials are an hour and the Christmas special is an hour. I don't remember reading anything about um, all the episodes being an hour long. Um, but it, that might just be my shoddy memory. So don't quote mm. me on it. Okay. That'd be interesting if, if they're all an hour. I mean, that's a lot mm. of... So what, what, can you guys just refresh my memory? Are these, is it a six-episode series? Or eight, an eight episode? Is it, is it eight? It's I think eight, it's eight. eight episodes with a Christmas special. So with a special nine. So nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So eight episodes, all an hour long. I mean, that's. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, in today's world of TV, if you think about Stranger Things and and all that sort of jazz, you know, that's what was Stranger Things was that six, maybe eight, and they were all like I think one of them was like an hour and thirty-five or an hour and forty. The last or season. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and the series finale of the last one was like two and a half hours. Yeah, exactly. Stranger so Things I think, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know if um, if Disney Plus of uh, having a bit of a an influence on on that stuff from a from a sorry Mark from a content for streaming um, thing, then that kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah. So you might be right, Matt. Um, okay. And uh, Jordan, sorry, Matt, were you finished, dude? No, I was just going to say I reckon he'll do probably four seasons, um, four. right? And then yeah, maybe 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 a couple of specials. Um, obviously, aside from the Christmas specials, right. I reckon he might match Tenant. Um, gotcha. And then yeah, see where it goes from there. Oh, okay. Uh, same question and thoughts to you, Jordan. I, I was quite surprised to see that they were filming already. Um, but yeah, it's, it, you know that makes sense to sort of then be able to give shoot together and assuming she's not a one series companion millie gibson a chance to go and do sort of other things and then come back to it um and like matt said some of the stuff that i've seen kind of teased that might be coming along so it's you know if we if we're getting spin-offs um then i think you then you you know you've got you would have enough stuff to fill the year um my my head is saying he's going to do three, mainly because that's what pretty much all of the new Doctors have done. But I kind of want him to stay for more. I kind of want him to be the longest one. Um, and the trailer, uh, ha- you know, I was quite impressed that I was like, oh my God, Doctor Who finally has like a budget. And it looks amazing. And it looks <laughs> like you could go to the cinema and watch it and it would, you know, be quite good. You know, okay, all right, ignoring the fact that Unit now looks like Stark Tower, you know, but how, you know, that was good. You had the meep. There was that soldier that everybody was thirsting over on Twitter. Um, You know, Catherine Tate's back. Donna, you know, David Tennant's back. Um, But my my one question with the trailer is, who on earth gave Unit the insurance for another tower? Given what happened to their last one at the end of Power, on, of Power of the Doctor, who on earth gave them that insurance? A woman yeah. is probably multi-plan. Yep. You're talking yep. about the British government who wrote off like a four billion pound tax fraud during COVID. I mean, it's fine. Oh, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. They'll just keep throwing money away. It's all right. It's in the kitty somewhere. And when it's that fine. thing inevitably comes down, you know, it's. <laughs> but yeah. It will do, won't it? There's going to be something that crashes into Unit Tower, and that's another one gone. Yeah, but yeah, I, okay, but, you know, yeah, but no, it looks good, and it, it's nice that it looks like Doctor Who's got money being thrown at it. Yeah, the Mickey Mouse money. Yeah, I think I'm going to go against the grain on this one, guys. Partly, I think Shooty will be around for three or four series. But I think Russell's going to stay for longer. I I think, um, yeah, I think it, it was potentially too high risk for thinking about, and this is my cynical brain a little bit, but thinking about Doctor Who as a business thing. Uh, I think if there is a lot of money being, and let's face it, there is a lot of money being, you know, it's a bit like Kanye West has walked into Bad Wolf Studios and has just, gone nuts with it because um you guys have probably seen in the in the news and everything about the iPlayer story with um the um Anthony Coburn's is it son or nephew that um 
uh, won't allow an unearthly child to be put on there. And there's some, he said that the, the thing was reasonable. So that makes me think that the BBC or Bad Wolf or whoever Disney have had to shell out a bit of money to get the rights to all the other classic who right to put on iplayer it's not just that one story so that's expensive in itself and then you've got you know all the normal things that don't need to go through or production in itself and actors fees and all that jazz but then we've also got um as you guys were saying it's extremely cinematic there's a lot of budget thrown into it so i think because there's a lot on the table not just um and i don't want to get into this too much but and if there are people who are listening who are big fans of Chiba's era and Jody's era, that this is nothing, this is not a, I'm not throwing shade in any way, shape or form, but it hasn't exactly been all roses in that era in terms of viewing figures, you know, you know, uh, user, I don't know what the, what is it like the, the user quality rating, whatever it's called, the user acceptance rating, whatever it's called. index. appreciation index that's exactly it thank you harry um it hasn't exactly been all roses with that stuff so there's that on the line to kind of bring the show hopefully back up so russell's like the key to that i guess i i think you're right um on the one hand i think absolutely russell i think he'll stay but he won't necessarily still be showrunner i think he'll be kind of uh, like star trek has at the moment they've got alex kurtzman who is kind of the executive producer of the whole franchise and so has input on story ideas and spin-off ideas and stuff like that but no longer kind of writes any episodes or anything like that i think oh yes that's yeah. probably yeah. where russell's probably going to end up but in terms of the the chibnall stuff and again i, I don't want to do this kind of rtd versus chibnall mm-hmm. i think what we're going into is an era where ratings no longer really matter because if you look at those Disney shows, you look at the Marvel shows, the Star Wars shows, they only get about 2 million views per episode internationally yeah. or something like that. So mm. it's not it's no longer about how many eyes you've got on the night. It's about sort of a consistent flow of Doctor Who and a consistent engagement with it, which let you know, as much as the ratings have dipped since... Christopher Eccleston to Jodie Whittaker, um, there's always been a consistent, you know, three million people watching Doctor Who, and that's just in the UK alone. So I think it's it's in fairly good nick heading into this kind of new era of streaming. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was... Um, yeah, I'm not saying that it was a disaster, that it needs rescuing, but I do think there's probably... A, there has to be some kind of return on the investment from those people, right? It has to be because you can't just throw all that money at it and then, I, 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 yeah, and I totally agree with what you were saying as well. The You know the old days where it's like TV shows were judged on the nightly viewers and then it was a roundup a week later. And that, so I get that. And it's not quite as prevalent as it was. I don't know. I think there is still an element of um, we need to see some some uptick a little bit and do you know what i think that's a bit that's going to come as default anyway because i think if you've got everything going out here terrestrially on the bbc in the uk and then the rest of the world they're all getting it via disney plus that's you know they're that's a good by default you're getting i don't know millions i'm gonna say 
hundreds of thousands i don't know but yeah so um so i think um and i totally agree with you as well in that russell will stay but not necessarily be hands-on a bit like a george lucas thing you know where he directed the first one decided not to do the other ones but stay on and still do like story and writing and bits and pieces so yeah i read you Okie dokie. There was another bit of news. I'm not going to go through that. We haven't got much time, uh, which was about the all the missing episodes. There's been some commitment now to get a lot of those animated. Uh, Maria, you mentioned that when you went to the Underwater Menace about um, future animated stuff, which is all good. So let's move on to... I don't have any sound effects. I don't have any lightning strikes or uh, bats flying around or anything. Or dun, any- dun, dun. Top production values here. So, creepy Doctor Who. Uh, We're going to give it our creepiest, scariest moments. If we get to somebody and they say, I think the scariest moments in Doctor Who is Blink, then you'll probably be removed from the podcast immediately. Just the just the heads up. Okay. The weeping angels. Yes, they're scary. Yes, they're scary. We all know that. We're not looking for the obvious, like, you know. It's the bit where they don't look at you immediately, but then they do afterwards. So, who wants to go first? Who wants to do a virtual hands up for their creepiest moment in Doctor Who? Matt, straight in. It's creepy down in Devon, dude. All those fields, the moonlight, it's strong. No stars, you've got the dark skies thing going on. The dark is actually dark anyway, here as well. What's your, what's your creepiest Doctor Who moment for you? Uh, so I've got a couple, um, but I'll, I'll rattle oh. through them. Um, main series, Night Terrors. Night Terrors? Okay, right. Those dolls mm-hmm. haunt my dreams. The, <laughs> <laughs> dolls have always creeped me out anyway, but those something about those dolls it's it's nothing behind the eyes and the the big head and they're just clumsily and the kid's voice and the clumsily walking towards you and the horror um you know come and play with us sort of voice it's just no 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 (laughs) that's not for me um Mm -hmm. and uh you know when when a certain somebody gets turned into one of them uh, no nearly turned it off um (laughs) but uh the non-main series would be um, the Ravenous from Big Finish. Um, the Ravenous series uh, is part of the Eighth Doctor's um, range, and they are some of the creepiest villains I've ever, well, not seen, but heard. Um, they're sort mm. of clown, they, they, they kind of resemble a clown, um, but they can, basically, they feed on Time Lords. They feed on... Um, their energy as such but they're also this killer clown vibe that chases after them and um yeah i I don't know it's the way that they've they've made it sound on audio something about it just it sends chills down your spine um but uh yeah those those and, and the night terror dolls nope not for me not for you okay there's a couple of little jump scares in Night Terrors as well, isn't there? It's pretty good. There is, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, that's another obvious one is the the dolls from from Night Terrors. But I'll give you that because it is genuinely pretty creepy as far as uh, Doctor Who goes. Okay, nice one. Uh, who wants to go next? Who wants to put their hand up? Who's going to go? 
Maria, you can go next. Look at her little face. She's ready. Here we go. Okay. Um, so I, I wasn't sure how many we, how many scary moments we were allowed. So I only thought I, I've only actually picked one. Um, so I, I kind of thought um, the Impossible Planet, the Satan Pit. Um, those those two episodes, oh. they there's something about them, um, and there are there are a couple of moments in them, especially in the first episode, that just kind of really creep me out. Um, there's just something about the idea of the isolation that you get in that in that story. It's it's the whole thing. It's the it's the tone of it, how dark it is. Um, you've got these, you know, scary ood, um, who are quite scary, to be honest. Um, you've got this mythical creature that is um, before time. You know, it's something that, you know, the TARDIS, the TARDIS can't read um, the language that's on the wall of the of the what is it they call it? It's uh, like a hub or a space hub or whatever it is they're in. Um, you know, and there's just something very scary about those episodes for me. Um, I think it's the idea of the creature because the creature is, is something right. that is so old, so ancient. It kind of feeds into these ideas about the devil and Satan and faith and and um, there's a couple mm-hmm. of moments in the first episode. I think there's one where the devil creature is um, is in the laboratory with Toby when he's he's examining some um, I think pottery. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it yeah. is. He's he's, mm-hmm. he's examining something, and the devil is behind him and asking him not to turn round. And of course, there's that temptation, and there's something about the music that they use. There's this kind of screeching, kind of crescendo of sound, you know, as the creature is kind of getting closer and closer to him. Um, and then, you know, he turns around, and there's nothing there. And then he turns back, and then he's got this feeling on his hands, and he's taking his gloves off, and his hands are full of these really strange ancient symbols. So that moment, kind of. Um, creeps me out. It's just the way it's filmed, I think, because of the angles that they're using and 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 the way it's done. It's done in that kind of point of view. Um, and uh, the other one is when um, uh, Scooty is kind of um, lured to the observation the observation deck, and Toby's outside, and he's kind of tempting her outside. Um, and there's just something in that scene. They use um, they use some violin music in that, which is really kind of quite effective and kind of builds that isolation. So yeah, that whole scene where he kind of tempts her, and then obviously she dies when he cracks the glass, and just the the sense of that. I've just found those two episodes really kind of for me personally. I find them quite quite creepy. I I don't. I don't enjoy watching it as a story because it kind of, it freaks me out a little bit, um, you know, with some of the, the imagery oh, and, the, and yeah. the, the whole storyline, really. Um, yeah, it's just a creepy one for me. Yeah, no, Rija. Yeah, that's a good one. So, um, yeah, and that's an interesting episode because I think all of the stuff um, throughout the bulk of it is very creepy and more unsettling. And then at the end, when they do the full creature cg reveal thing 
that's not as scary but the stuff before that is um yeah definitely creepy good shout uh mark i think you had your hand up before dude what are your thoughts so i'm gonna go a bit a bit pretentious here um Uh, so one of my favorite films of all time is george a romero's dawn of the dead right it's a group of people in a shopping center uh zombies outside and it's great but what i love about george romero films is that it's not the zombies that are scary it's like what happens to you and the people you're with when you're in those kind of like extreme situations, right? And I think the two Doctor Who one. stories that best kind of encapsulate that, Midnight, obviously, Russell T. Davis's like absolute masterpiece. Because it works so well because for a three series, you've had David Tennant as, well, I'm the smartest guy in the room. And then he gets into this situation where it's just paranoia and fear and nobody knows what's going on and the doctor doesn't know enough to be that kind of reassuring presence that always ends up kind of winning the day um it's just phenomenal it is one of the best bits of doctor who ever i think i remember stephen moffat saying it was the last doctor who he watched as a fan before he became showrunner because it was the only one that he kind of didn't know what was happening in it because obviously he had to kind oh, of cool. read the end of series mm-hmm. four, the special, so he kind of knew kind of how to plot the next series. Um, and yeah, what a great thing that must have been, just as like your kind of last bit of Doctor Who before you have to start worrying about making Doctor Who. Because also, what a hell of a sort of benchmark to set <laughs> as well. Must have been terrifying. And then the classic Doctor Who story that I think gets that across really well. And I never really... Picked up on it until I watched it again recently. But Kinder, there's a bit in that towards the end where Hindle has just gone completely insane. He's like wired the mm-hmm. whole sort of dome to explode. And him and Sanders are just acting like children, but there's like really deadly explosives. And the doctor's not entirely convinced he can get through to this guy and stop him just, like, committing genocide. It's quite a grown-up, terrifying thing that's kind of more sort of existential angst than kind of boo. So, yeah, I like those kind of really kind of, oh, my God, that's horrifying. People are terrible, aren't they? I like those kind of scares. <laughs> I see. Oh, dude, yeah. So, yeah, Midnight, say, um, I'll just squeeze mine in because I had exactly the same episode, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah for that very reason where because you don't see the outside uh thing that's menacing and and messing with them um it's the it's the slow deterioration of everyone's sanity and mindset within the capsule and the the little transport thing and the performances are just so good who's the actress that stars alongside him predominantly in that one she gets um, oh, Leslie Sharp. Is it Leslie? I think it's Leslie it Sharp. Les- she was in yeah. Second Coming with uh, Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, that's her. It's, yeah. Yes, it's, yeah. And uh, there's a. The, the, the first bit for me where it gets proper creepy is when she starts to repeat what he's saying and then it falls in sync and then they start saying, oh, it's really well done. So that's like a little masterclass in acting right there. Just that, you know. Anyway, yeah, so that was mine as well, dude. Good shout. Uh, Harry or Jordan? Who's up? Go on, Jordan. Um, okay, so I've, yeah, I've got a couple. 
Um, the first one is the Hemovores in The Curse of Fenric. Um, I think are absolutely terrifying, and I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. I think it's like the, like the suckers and everything on them. I think it's terrifying because they look disgusting, um, mm. <laughs> and that story's always given me the creeps. And I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just given me the creeps. Um, and then another one, a, a big Finnish one, is there's a seventh Doctor story called Night Thoughts, and they're on it's. Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Aldred, and then I think you had uh, Philip Olivier as Hex in that one. And there's this little girl that's... I, it's all weird. It's a bit like like the Adams family, but they're really off their rockers. And um, it's this little girl, and she's got this toy bunny, and she's always going, oh, bunny says kill so-and-so, or bunny said do this, and bunny said do that. But it's so creepy. By the end of it, you think, well can bunny go and run off a short beer please because it's really (laughs) that uh, that story is quite creepy um but talking about midnight and i i didn't uh, register it until sort of quite recently i think for me what's so scary about that story is the fact that there is obviously something there with them but you can't see it and having gone ghost hunting and i do that quite regularly the idea that there is something in the room with you and you can't see it, but you can hear like boots running down a hallway or humming coming down the hallway. The idea that there's something there with you that you can't see is the most terrifying thing I think ever. Um, And I think for me, that's a lot of the reason why midnight works. Mm, For that very reason. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Okay, so you've you've probably been watching Uncanny, haven't you? With Danny I have, Robbins. yeah, I really like that. <laughs> I've I've had thought about emailing him actually because I'm like I've got a few ghost stories that I could <laughs> that I can't. I'm going explain, to see his show. I could, um, I could tell you. <laughs> yeah, I managed to nab tickets to his show in Cambridge. Oh yeah, I think he's coming down this way. I think he might even be coming to Portsmouth, so I might have to Go see, see about that because it is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, your team believer, I assume. Not team. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's things I've seen and experienced. I'm like, nah. People We've got like our own making it up, but I'm like, no, I was there. <laughs> can for that can this happen. be the podcast? <laughs> like, this, this is this is great. <laughs> We've got our resident Ghostbuster. Yes. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, you need your own intro music now. I tell you uh, what, we'll let okay. Harry do his first, and I'll tell you a scary one. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. Uh, right, Harry, quickly. Um, I'm joking. No, sorry. Uh, what, what are your? I, I, I uh, want to hear this scary, scary thing. Jordan's about to tell us. <laughs> um, now, do you know what? I I really wish I picked Midnight now because um, hearing you guys talk about it, it makes me think. I, I mean, when I was thinking about I, I, ideas for this, I was thinking about the things that really scared me when I was a kid. Basically, like um, Midnight didn't really it didn't really scare me when when I, when I first watched it but like something about it just hits differently when you're an adult i think it's you know how the older you get like the more you realize how little you know it's kind of midnight taps into that fear of like you know the unknown and cuz you literally do not see the monster and it's just like yeah um it's um yeah like mark was saying it's phenomenal piece of television like not just a phenomenal piece of doctor who um but yeah, um, in terms of kind of my pick, as it were, um, I 
I was trying to think of the one time where Doctor Who like really really scared me because Doctor Who doesn't really scare me if I'm being honest. Like I never hid behind the sofa. I never you know it never kept me up at night, apart from one episode and it was Silence in the Library that absolutely terrified me. Like I I I absolutely hated it because um the Vashnarada like there's such a amazing idea. I don't understand why they were never brought back apart from like one of the adventure games because they're just you know like you've got the implicit scares of you know like like the dark and like you can't see anything in it and it's like you never know at what moment like you're going to be ripped apart and you know just the violence of that idea as well um but also you've got the kind of um you know really striking visual scares of like the skeletons in the spacesuits and i i think one of the things that really frightens me is like visual horror like you know like really scary imagery like is enough to keep me awake at night and just like just those you know skulking skeletons like around that cavernous library like it it makes me kind of gives me chills like just talking about it thinking about it to be honest um but yeah um so i'd probably say that um like i'd probably say silence in the library specifically the vash narada like i think they are you know yeah really really amazing idea by Stephen moffat cool cool have you not heard um the tom baker's big finish story night of the vash narada you not listen to i have not this sounds it's part of um uh have I got it? Yeah. It's oh, it's part Doctors, of the um, new monsters. Yeah, it's part of that box set. Yeah. Right. Oh, I've got to listen to that. That sounds great. Yeah. There's it's, Operation you'd... Dusk as well with Sylvester McCoy that has them in, and they were brilliant in that one. Right. Come on, Harry. Pardon me while I uh, <laughs> make a note of these. Uh. <laughs> and I think there was a Christopher Eccleston one that was good, but I can't remember what that one was called. I think it's something like Red Darkness, Red Mist, Red something or other. Oh, I'm yeah, amazed at how many Vasta Narada audio plays there are because they're not exactly the most. That's fascinating to me. Anyway, well, it's a bit like the Weeping <laughs> Angels, and I know Gary said don't mention them, but they they work really well on audio. And I, I don't quite know the how same. they've mm. made them work as a, an audio no, monster. Yeah. But yeah, mm. they're check out those fashion and Arada stories because they're very good uh, I will do or maybe I won't because I'll be too scared but uh, <laughs> we'll see if I'm feeling brave one day I'll give it a listen yeah Harry check them out so you have to go to sleep with the light on oh I'm definitely not listening to them before I go to sleep that's for sure I have to put on Jordan. a nice podcast after that Jordan tell us your scary story Jordan. quick ghost story okay quick so, where I used to work, um, we used to, it was sort of the, the summer of the year that I started, and uh, oh, Gary's plunged himself into darkness now, he's going to scare himself now, and um, I was up on my break one day, and they used to do this thing where if the, the lift had broken to take the stock upstairs that you see I would turn my light off as well but I will literally just be in darkness and you will not see me um I can't be bothered to turn mine off that's why it's still on (laughs) um so the lift are broken so that you weren't supposed to be bringing stock upstairs because it's all heavy boxes and I'm up there on my break and I I heard this bang and I thought oh dear you know someone's come along they've dropped a box thought nothing else of it I went back to having my tea and I heard the bang again and I was like, oh, for God's sake, you know, 
what you're doing. Um, and then it was about five, ten minutes went past, and then I heard the bang again. And I was like, right, okay, either someone is really clumsy or, you know, a car's backfired or something, something, something. And then it was a series of three knocks, but it was just, it was being repeated and repeated and repeated. It was like, bang, 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 bang. But it was getting closer and closer and closer to the staff room that I was in. But you could, you you could genuinely feel the room shaking. It, it was so, so loud. loud. And um, by this point, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I, I, I wish I could go back in time and film it because it was the most terrifying thing I think I've ever heard in all my life. But it was, and then it, it was on like the staff room door and you, but you could see the door shaking. Um, and this, uh, this went on for about a good five 10 minutes this noise was going on and I'm just sat there like oh my god 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 and it it was sort of thing where I thought if I open that door something is just gonna fly at me and I I, I, there was something that was just like do not open that door anyway it stopped just as, as suddenly as it had started when it stopped I registered oh hang on the lights in the warehouse are motion censored if that had actually been a person physically making that noise, those lights would have come on. So I finished my lunch and I quickly leg it downstairs and I tell people what had happened. And um, one of the duty managers said, she went, well, the people who live opposite the shop, she said they will come in in the morning and they will ask, have you had someone in overnight? And they'll be like, no, you know, why? And they'll say, because we can see the windows for the staff room from our like bedroom window they said all night long the lights will just go on and off and on and off she, and she said and then sometimes people will say that they've seen a figure in one of the windows just a solid black figure in the window and um so that kind of like piqued my interest so a couple of months went by and there was the odd thing people would come up to me and say oh uh, there was like a, a shadow that went across the warehouse now bear in mind the warehouse there are no windows in the warehouse so it's not anything from outside and it was all open plan so if it was someone mucking about you would be able to see that it was someone mucking about fast forward to that same year but it was about christmas time and it's kind of gone from my head I, i remember it happening but i'd kind of sort of tried to get past it because i was working there and i'm like i can't be terrified to go up to the warehouse every five seconds I've had my break. I go to go out down some stairs and it could have only been, I could have only seen this for about two, three seconds, but honest, as as cliche as it's going to sound, it felt like an absolute lifetime. In front of me was this person who, now back, back then I had quite big, bushy, curly hair that had quite big, bushy, curly hair sort of quite a round face like mine, but had sort of a big-ish, bushy-ish beard. It had a top that was, it was like a red, almost like a farmer's jacket type thing, you know, with the, the not tartan, but it's that pattern. It It had eyes that were like black ink. There was no light in them whatsoever. And it had 
the mouth came up, you know, like the Joker when he sort of cuts his mouth and he, when he smiles, it sort of comes up quite high. And it, it had this stuff that was coming out of its mouth as it, as it did it. And I just stood there and I froze and it, it could have, it literally was only for like a second or two. And just like that gone. So, and I legged it downstairs, but again, everybody was downstairs. Nobody upstairs. There is no way for people to come in. And for me, that was the last, there was another big thing for me that happened, but for a while that was it. But other people were saying that they would come out to, because all the alarms would go off overnight. So they'd have to go out and check to make sure no one had broken in. They would open the back door and step over this black mass that was on the floor. And they said it wasn't until we registered, turned round, there was nothing. But people would describe it as like a black bin bag full of, of like stuff that wasn't there. People would keep on saying, I've seen shadows. There was a, a black shadow that ran from one side to the other. New, I, I think there was a couple of new girls that came in and said that when they went to go up to the toilet, there was someone whispered in their ears or they felt like they were being touched on the shoulder. And one of them said their hair felt like someone had stroked their hair. We had a couple of people come in over another Christmas that were doing stock for us because we didn't have enough people to do the stock and the tills. And she was a great burly sort of Irish woman. She was, you know, she was tough, tough looking lady. Me and my friend Caitlin were downstairs filling the lift, sending the lift up for her to empty. And all of a sudden we heard this almighty great scream and she came legging it downstairs. And we're like, whoa, 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 you know, what's happened? What's happened? And she went, this wall, she said, I heard what sounded like children's footsteps running along the, the floor. She went, I thought, that's weird. There shouldn't be children up here. So she turned around, she said, and there was this, this black wall of just darkness. She went, and it just like hit me in the face. She said, and my head was just filled with the most violent thoughts that you could possibly imagine and uh, you know and she didn't go up there again they were there for a good couple of weeks and she would not go up there ever again and we had another load of people who were um, changing the layout for the shop and this young lad I mean I'm 27 he must have been about 22 23 he was told to come and see me on the evening on an evening and he said that there was a woman that was he'd gone up to make everybody a cup of tea and um he said that he could hear this woman whispering in his ear and he thought that it was the, the manager had come up and was like, what are you doing? You know, whatever. He said, and I turned around, there's nobody there, but I could continuously just hear this whispering. Um, anyway, I, again, all this sort of little things kept happening. Fast forward to, I think it was last year and I was going upstairs um, and I could feel this, the only way I can describe it is like someone took the top of my head off and was tickling my brain. It felt like someone had hold of my brain and was just like tickling it. And I, I stopped for a minute because I thought, oh, that I feel really sick. Whatever that is, it's just making me feel really ill. So I stopped and I turned and from where the light was, there was my shadow. I think I had a, when you sort of stand and you've got like three shadows. And from behind my main shadow, this black shadow just stepped out from behind me 
turned so you could see its sort of forehead, its nose, its chin, and its sort of shoulders. And it walked in the direction of what was a wall, but I later found out was actually an entrance to an old office that's not there anymore. They bricked it up. Um, and that was sort of the last big thing for me. But I, I will never forget the, the knocking sound, that banging sound, I think, will haunt me till the day I die. The figure was scary, but that knocking sound, I think, is what's going to absolutely terrify me. Um, doing a bit of investigating, I found out that the, the, the land that this shop that I worked in was on was where the gallows were on Hailing. So you sort of, you sort of got this great big site where sort of hundreds of, and there are some funny people on Hailing, so there would have been hundreds of thousands of people probably got hung. It also used to be swamp and sort of marsh out. And during like the plague, you had so many dead bodies that they would just dump them in this swamp and they would hire people to come along with sticks. And when the tide came in, the bodies would come up and they would push the bodies back under the under the swamp. So it's it's the land that's got a lot of death associated to it anyway. But we've also had quite a few people used to commit suicide. There was someone who broke in and hung themselves. There was someone who jumped off a motorbike and came crashing through the window. Um, so, and I think there was a few customers that we had that dropped dead i think when they refurbished it um so there's yeah there were quite a few quite a few things and then that sort of fueled my interest and since then i've gone on quite a few ghost hunts and sort of seen quite a few bizarre things heard quite a few bizarre things i think we were down a tunnel once in a, a fort up on one of the hills near me and it was used in world war Two. and someone said i'm going to try and thingy an air raid siren so they found an air raid siren on their phone, played it, and you heard what sounded like hundreds of pairs of boots running down one of the corridors. Not bats, because it, it didn't sound like bats. It sounded, there was no mistaking feet on rubble. Um, and in the same place, we were actually in the fort, and we could hear a woman humming and she's going, <laughs> and she's coming around the corner towards us because there's nowhere else to go. We're all like backing up. We're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, we're going <laughs> to, there's someone coming around the corner. Nothing there. Nobody came around that corner, but good six or seven people heard this humming noise. But yeah, the, the shop that I worked in was terrifying for a number of reasons, but mainly because it was, there was something going on there. And it wasn't just me that experienced it. There was a lot of people that experienced it. Oh, Jordan, that is so <laughs> terrifying. Well, no, Jordan, you've just... Uh... Jordan, Jordan's actually told me this before. And now that he's mentioned on, it quit. again, I think I'm going to be having nightmares tonight. But um, <laughs> I was just... Um, it's really funny what you're saying about the about the steps along the tunnel because um, I've been to I've been, I went to Jersey a few years ago and you go and you go and visit the um, old hospital there and they've got some tunnels that actually come out from the hospital and they actually play the soundtrack of people moving around in the tunnels as you're walking through them. It's a quite 
eerie feeling and I, I can imagine, you know, what it was like for you actually experiencing something like that. Must be terrifying. Because those, those, those hospitals those are terrifying because there's one on Guernsey, one on Guernsey that's, that's the same. And, um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no mistaking that sound either. No mistaking that sound. You know that you've heard boots on mm-hmm. rubble and shingle and thing, and running as well. You know, there's no mistaking that. Crikey. <laughs> right, well, two things to say on that, Jordan. Number one, you are, you've missed... We haven't missed, but there's a great opportunity there for you to do your own podcast because we were all captivated by that. We just sat here like just mesmerised by those. So if you've got more stories done, to tell, like because obviously if if it, this shop that you used to work at has anybody done like a podcast or a blog or I used like, to do all these things together right. in there, um, and we used to call him the 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 thing that was there. We used to call him Robert because he was one of the people that had committed suicide. So if something was going on, we used to be like, oh, Robert, you know, pack it in, and it would stop. Um, Jesus Christ. But Where was this? I don't... <laughs> so, uh, it's on Haley. I won't, I won't mention... No, I will mention no, no, Obviously, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Southern Co-op um, on Haley. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the actual, that actual <laughs> building is quite old as well. So... Oh. I'm not surprised that there is stuff that goes on there. Um, but I, I mean, I did a few things. I had, a, I downloaded a couple of apps and things on my phone and you sort of, you sort of let the first sort of few words go because it's, the app is just trying to figure itself out, but you sort of ask questions and it will come back to you with a response that you know is right. But what I will try and do is I will try and do my research on my laptop and not my phone. So people can't then say, oh, it's my phone flicking through everything to find the relevant information because I've used a different thing. Um, but I think I think when that shop possibly one day shuts down, I think it would be very interesting to actually go in there and sort of try and do a proper investigation. And I think there Definitely. was a couple of members of staff yep. who used to muck around with a Ouija board in there as well, so that probably oh, didn't help. Oh, God. Asking for trouble. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, folks. Never mind a group trip to the BFI. Let's go on a group trip to this co-op. <laughs> Jordan, we're coming no, down, mate. I'm Next weekend. <laughs> Nothing in the world is dragging me down there. We'll, we'll bring Danny Robbins. <laughs> we'll bring Danny. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, God, that was amazing, Jordan. Thank uh, you. Um, I, well, yeah, I so the first... never forget that banging noise until the day I yeah. die. That will haunt me until the day I die. Yeah, for sure. So the first thing is you need to get a podcast happening ASAP because you're in for some big listening numbers. And secondly, uh, Russell, we know you listen. There's your next creepy Doctor Who episode. <laughs> That's It's all written for you. It's all there. Uh, copyright Lovely. Jordan. <laughs> copyright Jordan. Yeah, watch everybody steal my, my thing now. <laughs> oh, so what a bonus episode this turned out to be listener not only have you got some great recommendations to go and check out some creepy doctor who moments if you've not seen them you've been entertained by one of our own resident ghostbuster come on i like wow. to think of myself as like a zach bagans until i get into it and i'm more like yvette fielding and I'm going around screaming and like, <laughs> but I, I, I think I'm brave, a little bit braver than that. But I do think I'm probably more like Yvette Fielding. 
than one of these like macho, not got your macho ghost hunters yep. that you see on the telly. <laughs> oh, very cool. Thank you for that, dude. It's um yeah, I'm glad I've put the lights back on now. So right. Uh if nobody has any other creepy stories to tell, I think we'll wrap there. Should we wrap there for the October round table? Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to another episode of the Big Blue Box Podcast. That was your October Roundtable, and uh, thank you to these guys. These are always the stars of the show with their Doctor Who knowledge, experience, expertise, qualifications perhaps, I'm not sure, and some ghost stories. Who'd have thought it? Who'd have thunk it, eh? Tenuous link. It's the Halloween special. And we're into some ghost stories. I love it. Thank you, Jordan, for that. That was awesome. Uh, if you like listening to the uh, the Roundtable and some of the other uh, Blue Box episodes until we get back to our regular viewing, make sure that you are following and subscribing in your preferred podcast app of choice. That way you won't miss an episode when they land monthly for the Roundtables. And when we get back into the swing of things in November, it will be the, uh, it'll be the weekly stuff as we review all of the specials as well as they go out. And uh, for the November um round table we'll probably talk about those i would imagine if we do it at the end of november we can all talk about those um those specials uh so make sure you're following subscribing we're on the socials too instagram twitter facebook there are links on the website which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can check out all the articles from these guys as well and uh we've got a couple coming up this week where both from maria i think some event roundups and whatnot so uh so check those out as well uh, I'll also stick links in the show notes to these guys where they are on Twitter and what else they do and all that stuff. So until next month for the November Roundtable, take care of yourselves, guys. And remember, are we all doing it? Are we all doing it? We are doing We're it. We're all doing it. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll get that right.